Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Tara Humphrey. I run an award-winning healthcare consultancy specialising in supporting primary care networks. I'm a facilitator. I am a mum of three. I have an MBA and I would class myself as a bit of an adventurer. And I absolutely love all things business, all things leadership, all things management. So I created this podcast for clinical and non-clinical colleagues working in the field of health and care and for those of you looking to develop your leadership skills. Every week we release an episode which focuses on the hard and soft skills required to lead in this increasingly complex environment as we move to delivering more integrated care. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. I love all of the people that I interview. I learn lots, but I really, really, really do love this episode. I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Dr. Richard Fieldhouse, who is the founder of the National Association of Sessional GPs. Now, if you are not a GP and, or you're not a locum and you don't work in primary care, the fundamental message about this episode, I think, is about how we treat people. If the workforce is our most valuable asset, and if we don't treat people well, they will leave. And Richard provides a fantastic example of how he's supporting not just the local GP workforce, but other professionals in the field of primary care and other professionals operating in general practice. We talk about continuity of care. We talk about the importance of coffee and just making your kind of temporary workforce feel extremely welcome and making sure they are set up for success. I asked Richard about his leadership style. He shares how he has been growing he shares his mission for the National Association of Local GPs, which may be surprising to some of you. He talks about the concept of enforced underperformance and talks about the importance of recognition. I absolutely loved it. It's got bags of energy. It's just really inspiring. And there are lots and lots of leadership lessons to take from this episode. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me on the Business of Healthcare podcast, Richard. How are you doing? Very good, Tara. Really, really uh, delighted to be here. Uh, I'm really, really pleased you made the time. I know you're busy. So our paths crossed. Um, a listener reached out to me and said, I like listening to your podcast, Tara, but you never, ever talk about um, the locum workforce. Like, what do you think? And I was like, that's well observed. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I haven't, but I would like to. Would you like to come on? And she said, you don't, you know who you need, you need to speak to Richard. So Richard, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and what you do today? Yeah, such notoriety. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm Richard Fieldhouse. I'm a GP locum. I live in West Sussex, sort of on the south coast, uh, between sort of Portsmouth and Brighton. And I've been a fully qualified GP since 1995. And I've pretty much worked as a GP locum 
all that time. I was a partner for six months, but I don't really want to talk about that. And <laughs> no, it was fine. Um, it was lovely. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've worked in about a hundred different practices. I've worked up to about 30 practices a year. I love being a GP. It's what I always wanted to do. Um, and it, and yeah, so qualified, married to a GP, babies, you know, work-life balance. So actually locum really, really seemed to be a, a great option to try it out I'd heard about it started locuming and just thought oh my god you know this is this is I felt really professionally isolated really was found it really really tough I mean this is 25 years ago um I have no idea what, what, what am I an employee what what how it's self-employed no idea how it worked and noticed very quickly that every practice did things really differently to the previous practice you'd worked in in the morning and, and, and you know up to 500 different ways that an individual practice will have its own pathways policies procedures guidelines just ways of doing stuff you know where's the DDI kit how do you refer for an endoscopy it's just different and there was wasting lots of time getting frustrated and and I'd be exhausted and really long days and um, you know, you got to know some really started to get to know the practices that really were humming and really worked well. Top tip, cough, everybody stop for coffee at 11 a.m. Then that's that to me, those practices just they just seem to work really well and um, in all sorts of ways, whether it's cause or effect. I don't know. But um, so I started meeting up with some some friends who other locums from training and they were they were just exactly the same as the Richard. Well, what what what's happened? You know, what, what what's happened to general practice that we were trained to do? So we started meeting up and found it really cathartic, just meeting up and talking about where we're working and how. So we started a locum group and that just worked really, really well. And I and I began I became curious and I thought, well, is anybody else doing this? It's just you just go to a pub and meet up with your friends and chat about work. And it just it just the difference was tangible. But it turned out a few people were. But so I started writing, I mean literally writing on paper and posting it with a stamp to to, to pulse and GP and doctor to newspaper and all of that and, and eventually yeah found 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 um 14 other locums england ireland scotland and wales um all in exactly so yeah what's happened you know we we did our training and then we suddenly you know general practice is not how it was like doing training so we decided to set up the nasgp we met one rainy weekend in in birmingham because we found a cheap hotel uh um, and, and the 15 of us yeah, we, we, we started started any SGP. We started a website, a database. We, we created a template for a practice induction pack, which is now we've now it's all online. It's all free. It's all on the NESGP locum deck website platform so that when you go into a practice, you've got you know, the, the practice can have that instantly accessible uh, practice specific information for the locum. Um, we decided to build a, 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 as the internet grew up, we decided to build a, a, a something to actually help low practices and locums interact in a very transparent, very, uh, in, in a very uh, fair way, give loads and loads of power to practices to instantly book us. But as locums have control over being bearing in mind with these self-employed uh, independent contractors, 
to work in a way that we feel that we feel is safe and we can work in the most effective and efficient way um, rather than being trying to sort of pigeonhole and you know you must do this many patients in this time and stuff well i've got kids that's not, that's not how i work you'll, you'll get more out of me if i if i can do 10 minutes instead of 20 or if i can or i can do 20 minute consultation instead of 10 you know we're all different some of us love doing visits some hate it so it's it's it, it's allowed us to do that so and, and that's that's kind of how we've we've, we've grown as an organization okay so there's loads <laughs> loads to unpack there but just <laughs> so the full name of your organization is a national association of sessional gps that's GPs. correct yeah we started off as, as national association of non-principals but it was we were defining ourselves by negatives so we changed it so where you said you did your training and you went into practice and you and other colleagues have said general practice has changed. What do you mean by that? What has changed so much that you thought, I love this and actually, no, I, I don't want to work in this sort of environment in the kind of employee or uh, partner way? It had kind of changed in that it was different to what we what our training was about because we'd all been in just one practice with a with a reserved parking space and a pigeonhole and our own rooms often. And we were really got to know the staff over the over our year of training. Of course, nowadays it's three years of training, but you really do get to know where you are. You become part of the furniture, part of the team. The 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 training practices um, are geared up to support you to be forgiving, to be nurturing, help you grow as, as a professional. You then you then qualify and then you've got three options, partnership, salaried or locum. Well, we, we'd actually decided to do some locuming, which we didn't quite actually know. We didn't actually know what that was. Um, we never we'd never during our training. We hadn't met any locums. We haven't thought about it. So we just kind of just thought it would just be, you know, just turn up in another practice. It'll be exactly the same. But these pr other practices we were working in just they weren't training practices. They weren't in in leafy suburbs like our training practices were. They were often in inner cities, which were struggling to recruit, had workforce problems, might be a, being a partner or down for months, if not years. We might be covering another GP, you know, working in their footsteps, not knowing where, where they were. To, are they on holiday? Are they are they taking study leave? Are they taking, you know, are they off on sun, sun, sunshine and sand? Are they, you know, are they having a nice break? Has the practice got us in because they're thinking ahead um, and, and, and thinking of all the practice team and actually, you know, keep so they can keep the plate spinning? Or are we there because there's a shortage? or because someone's been struck off, or someone's been suspended, you know, you just don't know that. Um, and, and that can make a huge difference to the patients you're seeing, the way you're working, to the legacy of the narrative of the patients that you're, you're taking or taking over. They, there might have been some, for all sorts of reasons, there might have possibly been some underperformance because of workforce pressures the patients might not be able to see a gp for for weeks or months or the previous doctor was just burnt out or was ill and and you know had, had to carry on working and you'll take you just don't know that so you're often put in this position of what this we we, we, we we've got this term called enforced underperformance so you, you just don't know what you don't know. You're working there, you're sitting at your computer. It's a lovely, shiny building. The reception's got a cup of 
tea for you on your desk. You think, oh, lovely practice. You expect this sort of um, then to the patients to be the same, but actually, gosh, you know, why is this? Why is this so difficult? Why am I getting complaints? Why, why is this patient not being referred? What, what, you know, uh, where, where's the blood test? Start to realise that actually, in in certain practices, in certain cases, at certain times, so just you, you, you where you, in the, the morning surgery, everything was just flowing. They had coffee at eleven and all of that. This afternoon, no one's around. I can't log in. What's you know? It, it's the the environments are not standardised. Yeah. So can I ask? Is it that? Does the tr- so you say general practice has changed? Does the training need to change? The training needs to to include a, a, the diversity yeah. of of roles, and and, and, and practices. With, well, yeah, yeah. For all the right reasons, practices are set up to be um, to, to 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 maintain and retain regular GP partners and salaried for for all the right reasons. Um, um, but you know th- things have changed significantly. The the GMC using two thousand their two thousand and sixteen data, the GMC in two thousand and eighteen that reported that there's over twenty thousand GP locums now. NHS England thinks it's about a thousand, maybe a few more. There there is this there is this huge gap between the what our actual regulatory body which is actually um, regulating 65,000 GPs of which it reckons 20,000 of those are GP locums and then then you've got the NHS thinking oh no we can we, we can only we can only find 40,000 because they're partners and salaries and some trainees that, that that's who we're counting so that's we can't they've got this massive blind spot that there's a significant part of the workforce that what that is 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 trying to work in this way that is trying to support practices by being agile by being lean by being flexible um is, is providing access is providing second opinions is providing diversity of perspective is um you know is is is, is, is helping when 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 the chips are down when they can't recruit um and and that we're really good at that but it's you know it's it's almost because we don't talk about it often the language we use in primary care in general practice is all about continuity yeah even even um jeremy hunt a few months ago was quoted in pulse as saying that he did not want newly qualified gps to work as locums because they can't do continuity so the ipso facto because we can't do continuity therefore we shouldn't be gps hold on a minute Continuity is just one way of looking at what we as GPs do. Yeah, continuity, absolutely gone out of our way as a profession to prove it's a wonderful thing, but it's not the only trick we've got. We've got lots of other things we can do. There is access, there's diversity, there's other ways, there's that second, that second pair of eyes. There's in secondary care, our colleagues in hospitals have utilised a century's worth of um, of Nobel Prize winning initiatives like, you know, uh, heart transplants, kidney transplants, immunotherapy, cancer treatments, all of that, which gets u- used in, in secondary care. In primary care, we haven't really, we haven't adopted any Nobel Prize winning innovation. So we're kind of, kind of where we were 50 years ago, still talking about this old continuity of care thing. Yeah, sure, it's great. But as, as, as more of us becoming working as locums as 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 there's less as the workforce is being stretched more and more that it's almost it's really difficult for patients to have continuity even if even in the best of situations so it's we must open our minds to to other ways of which we can other other 
things in general practice we can use. So actually, there's been Nobel Prizes over the last 20 years in the field of behavioral economics, behavioral psychology, the, the, the Richard Taller and Daniel Carmans of this world, who've, who've come up with groundbreaking research into how we as as humans can communicate better how we can help think better well, there's there's um we talk about surgeons operate gps communicate well where there are so many heuristics and biases that we now know exist which are fraught with complication and this evidence-based research that we could really really embrace i think in general practice but we're not we just we just keep on going on about the continuity thing we're kind of almost setting ourselves up to fail outside of the kind of one argument that locums kind of disrupt that model of continuity that some patients really value and appreciate the other narrative is locums are really expensive yeah yeah that is a, that is a narrative indeed um so yes and, and we, we often come across some quite right you know, of, of some eye-watering prices that, that gp practices are paying for locums but we always ask the question well are you paying that to the locum or are you paying that to the agency because there's a world of difference there because you've got to pay it to the agency and then the agency pays it to the locum. The agency is going to take their cut. It's anywhere from sort of 25, 35%. You know, that's, 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 that's a big cut. And ask your locums who are being used by an agency, are, are you, do, you, do you feel you're being looked after? Some agencies are wonderful. Some just aren't. And you, you, you kind of get what you pay for sometimes in, in a way. Well, what, what's, what the locums are getting paid. You've, what we hear about the product, I'm not going to talk, we don't want to talk about actual actual values, but you, you certainly do hear some some eye-watering values and, and also from, from agencies and these can tend to go, can go shockingly high at sort of holiday periods. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's about the value that the GP locum can bring to your practice. When we, we've actually gone into, we did, we were, we were commissioned by a CCG in London to talk to locums and practices um, in London about about all sorts of aspects of locum we talked to locums about rates and we talked to practices about rates and what we found is that locums who are um, working for a practice that they really like that has coffee at 11 o'clock where they're treated as part of the team they're on the whatsapp group where they um where there's a, there's a locum induction pack so they can hit the ground running with that where they get paid on time where they're invited to team meetings where they where they're given feedback and where they where they are asked for feedback ask your locums for feedback they love it and where they just feel that actually this is part of a career we found those locums were charging about half what locums who were working in practices where the practices no induction pack just there's your room sit down off you go where they were paid really late or weren't, you know, where they just, they were just, they weren't invited. They, they could hear the coffee going around, but they weren't invited for coffee. They weren't invited to sit down for lunch. They weren't invited to educational meetings. They weren't given any feedback. They weren't asked for their opinions. Just they, they finished their session and, and, um, and, and off, off they go. There was no sort of bio. So, and, and, and those were anything up to twice the price. Okay. Um, so, so, Again, another another question we ask when we when we when we talk to, to, to GPs and practices about the cost of locums and um, about the agency question is well, do you do those 
five things do you do do you provide them with a practice pack an induction pack do you invite them do you give them coffee do you do you talk to them do you ask them for their opinion do you make them feel welcome and like a real professional because they are um, a lot of gp locums are ex-partners um, a lot of gp locums i know have got positions in ics's and ccgs and medical director roles and are appraisers and are trainers and all sorts of really really smart people and is there's it, it, it's it's often quite easy to just just cast them into sort of one bucket and think they're all the same. It's just absolutely not the case. Um, so it's about looking after your workforce. NHS's biggest asset is its, is its GP workforce, and our biggest problem is the welfare of the workforce. So we can all be part of that by just, you know, um, and, and, and it's exceptional that, that locums do feel badly treated or, or bullied or anything like that. And usually it's all, it's all good, and there's some wonderful, long-term, lovely relationships. And I'm sure lots of listeners listening now can all think of their favourite locums who they know just will, you know, love to always come back to the practice. If you have a long-term locum, What's the difference between being a long-term locum and being salaried? If you're seen as part of the team, you get the flexibility, you, you probably have your favourite patients, you, you know you feel part of the team. Why can't you have that as a salaried? Yeah, there, there, are, there are all sorts of advantages to being salaried. There's the holiday leave, there's the sick leave, there's the death in service benefits that your 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 relatives will get if you if you die once when you on on, the, on your way home. You know, there, there are all sorts of advantages to being salaried, um, and 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 um, maybe just sometimes the conversations never come up. Maybe just it's kind of just work works well that way. Um, but um, I think if, 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 if you're a practice and you want your, you prefer your long-term locum to become salaried, open up that conversation, you know, get, get that going when, um, when, 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 we're, when the locum isn't tired or exhausted, you know, get them on a, ni- a nice receptive mood. Um, chocolate hobnobs always work. And same as the locum, if you're, you know, again, ask that question in the practice may not may not just just come around to it but there there are all sorts of benefits it could be that the locum might just think well actually you know i've got young kids i need to i need to have my half terms and holidays they don't they don't get on to that don't get into the leave rota they it's they can have um more sort of control over their holiday and all that kind of thing because they're not getting paid for their their holiday when or, or, or when they go off sick so um um, yeah, have that conversation. How, so you provide advice and kind of best practice and support. Do you provide locums to practices? It, it, does your platform enable that? And if it does, how are you different from an agency? Yeah, we do. We we it, it, we started about six, seven years ago, eight years ago, and we started to. Um, uh, well, actually, what we did first of all is we, we started to build this practice pack into the platform and made it very, very sophisticated, completely free for practices. But practice just didn't really know they need. They didn't know that actually, why, why would I go through all this effort? Because because they didn't realize that that's actually what locums really need. They were just more interested in booking locums. We thought, OK, then let's build uh, a simple in platform and we started off very much just as a really easy way for locums to create and generate their locum invoices and fully automate their pension forms because locum pension forms are a nightmare 
Um, and and so so that's what we did. And we created these wonderful paperless pension forms, which worked fantastically. And then as time went by, we then then started to get practice actually in the locum saying, look, you know, can I can I can I do bookings through this? So we actually created this this slightly somewhat counterintuitive um, instant book system. So what we so the, the, the locum deck, what it does, it, it, it gives it's a very transparent platform. It allows a practice to sign up completely for free, always for free. If it asks you credit card details, you're on the wrong website. You've been fished and hacked. Okay. And the practice adds all their details, all anything, every anything and everything a locum would need to know in order to work for, including an online practice pack. Okay. And then and the, and the locum it equally adds their credentials, their CV, their references, all that onto locum deck. They they put in their their pension details, their their start times, their finishing times. They choose which practices they want to work in, their terms and conditions, their 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 rates, their, whether they want to do hourly or sessional or or, or or on call and visits. Or if they a lot of locums now we're finding actually want to do paperwork. They're quite happy to do paperwork because a lot of demand for practice. We want paperwork. And so, so we, we, we've added that in. And then, so these locums, they put on when they're free and they've chosen the practices. So they've pre-committed 100% to be booked by those practices. And so the practices, all they do is log on. Practices can look in their calendar. If they can see the locums, they can click on them. They can see their picture, read the CV, give them a phone call, book instantly. Boom. And it's confirmed. And that's it. There's no, there's no need to, no, no need to rent it. It's all, it's all there. It's all done on the platform. And that just works really well. We're finding that's, that that's doubling year on year. In the last three years, the number of instant books has doubled each year. What's the business model behind it? How do you, how, how does, how do you get paid? Well, so if, if a locum gets instant booked, we get paid £11 for that session. So the locum, we, and we charge the locum for that. So locum will charge for the con- for the convenience of the locum. So the, the we are all about. We always think the locums need to pay for this because locums are self-employed. They're self-employed independent contractors. They're they're, they're not a they're not a beneficiary of an employment employment or anything like that. It's like it's like it's an expense we have to pay. We've got to, we've got to cover that cost because because we're we're grown up independent. But eleven it's scary. pound. Eleven pound a session. Yeah, they, they get they get the so that they pay the eleven pounds by direct debit to any SGP. The low and the low and obviously and then the practice will pay the locum direct. So yeah. the locum will then take eleven pounds from that. Oh, it's better than that because we've 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 um we we've been we were approached by eight different ICSs over the last year or so because because these ICSs CCGs have been chatting to local locums and workforce people and said oh you know we want to we want to do something we want to get something really good and up and going locally for for our gp locums we want to support them one ics even said we want to start a love your locum campaign um so and, and so we talk to our locums they all say well talk to nasgp they they, they know what to do so so we, we've got this very very simple thing so any locum who in this ICS area, and we, we cover all of Oxfordshire, Buckinghamshire, Berkshire, Hampshire, Isle of Wight, Surrey, um, Essex, Hertfordshire, Gloucestershire. In some of these areas, 100% of the practice are signed up now to locum deck. But all these locums have got to do is they've got to make sure that in their diary summer, they've got a confirmed session for that one of those ICS practice and boom, we cancel all their direct debits. So they have the, this complete service 100% for free. 
and so the locums don't pay a penny, but it encourages them to book sessions with the local practices. And so it's you, you've got a, a recruitment and a retention thing. And on top of that, we then all include all for free. We then we then are organising all these different locum chambers for the locum. So we get the locums to meet up. We've been out for some gorgeous curries in Oxford, um, and, you know, outside of COVID um, and in Essex and places and um, but also we, with these 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 meetings that they're they're, they're, um, they're, they're they have a formal element and an informal element. We're really big as an organisation into locums meeting each other on a, in, in socially, so they could they develop friendships, professional relationships, so that helps with psychological safety. So that when they're in these clinical governance meetings, if they've been involved in a complaint or something and they're feeling vulnerable or anxious, they know that they can talk to other GPE locums just like them who work in the same practices, who understand them, who won't judge them and will support so peer support groups. And we talk about interesting clinical cases. We have a bit of a laugh. We talk about any booking issues, but we learn and we support each other with any any complaints that we have as well. And that just works really well. And in those situations with your chambers up and running, um, there are experiences that actually GPs will move to the area to join the chambers. So it helps increase the locum pool and that helps stabilize the health, the local health care economy. Because if you're a partner in a practice, you're running a practice and you just there isn't a good, reliable source of locums that's quite stressful but if you know you've got you know you've got a good group of good group of local low gp locums who are leading in they're motivated they're engaged and they've got a shared professional reputation that they need to work at to maintain um that so that they don't embarrass them you know so they because it's they're, they're, they're quite they're quite exposed it, it, just a shared reputation you've, you've got to look after it and, and that that all helps empower and improve that that sort of that that sort of whole primary care team thing what's your mission my mission is to not have to do this job (laughs) (laughs) my mission has always been we shouldn't need a national association of sessional gps because we should all be part of one big happy family that understand and appreciate and respect each other and support each other that it should be known that 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 when you are working as a self-employed independent professional in a practice that there is stuff you need to know there are there you practice specific information that 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 when if there's a complaint that i should rather than it's probably all nhs rather than look seek to blame individuals we share that learning that error that mistake and we learn from it and we we work together to, to reduce the likelihood of it happening again um and 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 it's about work working together but but there, there isn't there are too many unhappy gps who who are workers locums who um well, any type of gp but 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 also obviously locums as well and they feel unsupported they feel professionally isolated there's the royal medical benevolent fund did some research a few years back and found gp locums to be the most isolated professionals you know out of not just medicine but but any type of professional because you go for days weeks without talking to other gps and there's so much we need to talk about with patients and so much about peer support and learning and everything so um that really i think the nhs rather than um um kind of ignoring locums 
and, and which it has been doing quite badly for a long, long time. We need to much more include GP locums in those in, in planning and in workforce and in ICSs and, and all that kind of thing. Um, so that they just and, and I like I do like to think that actually, I mean, some one of these ICSs we work in, it just works so well, actually. They, they, they often don't need to meet up with us. They just, it's just humming yeah. so well. All their practices that signed up to all their locums using locum deck, it's just working really, really well. The locums have got some fantastic chambers in those areas. Uh, and um, yeah, you know, we're doing a great job. It's just working. And, and that's, so we were kind of almost making ourselves a little bit redundant, which is wonderful um, because, because yeah, for all the above. So if we're all supposed to be one big happy family, why do you only support locum GPs? What about other locum professions? Uh, oh, well, that's a really good question because, I, because yeah, because I, I don't, personally, I don't, I don't come across that many other locum professions, but certainly they are out there. What about nurses? Have, oh, no, exactly. Oh, they've been in touch. So, so much so that um, very much um, in the last two years, we've, we've done masses of development work onto locum deck to create um, these, this model now for, 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 for practice nurses. Okay. So in these ICS areas now, pretty much all of them have got this option option where local practice nurses can can either sign, can sign up to locum deck either as a group as individual self-employed or as part of a um a part of a, an employment bank where they're actually employees employed by um the the ics uh, or there is a sort of a borrow and share model where uh, a, a practice nurse who is employed by practice can work for another practice and then there's some arrangement. So we've got those three models all, all beautifully built now into locum deck. It's a stonkingly clever model because it's all based on um, what we call a skills matrix. So we ask the nurse, nurses what all their skills are, just a horrible long list. I mean, we really do go hard on, you know, you need a couple of glasses, uh, hot chocolate and some hobnobs, you know, to really go through this because it can take a lot of brain power. But they upload all their documentation, all their fillers. And that skills matrix then automatically translates to actually, you know, if a practice manager needs um, uh, someone to cover a respiratory clinic, the skills matrix will show which of the best nurses have got the most skills for that, which have still got some skills. So they still could do it. But this, so it, it really helps the practice managers pick and choose the, the, the right nurses. And that's where, where that's going. That Again, that's working really well. So, no, we've really grown up as an organisation in terms of embracing that. And now we're doing bringing on pharmacists and HCAs and, and other people as well. So in regards to peer support, I absolutely understand why you would have siloed professional development and peer support. But is there room for more MDT? Because, yes, we've all got different skills, but we all work in this big dysfunctional family. And it's very valuable to know, OK, well, a pharmacist, a pharmacist may have this challenge, challenge or experience, which a GP could absolutely relate to, a nurse could relate to, a HCA could relate to. So that group of locums, there is that MDT element versus all the GPs are together, all the nurses are together, all the HCAs together, and they, the paths only ever cross when a patient is involved. 
Yeah, no, you, you're really right to pick me up on that because that's that that is a really good point. And, and, and these eleven a.m. coffee mornings that I keep on talking about now three times, well, they they are. Th I think they will always work so because actually that's because the nurses join that and the yeah. uh, and, and everybody else does and the start you know. So you're all talking as a as a, a complete sort of collegiate team. Um. So yes, absolutely. I mean, we, we are we are a small organisation and we are. We are we are we are still growing up we, we obviously COVID hasn't helped at all. So we, we, we have we have been doing <laughs> no? these meetings. <laughs> Would you believe um, these webinars? We, so, so these chamber meetings we've been holding as, as webinars for the last two years. And oh, can't we you know we can't wait to get back into into face to face meetings. So so that has slowed things down. But um, yeah, the, the next phase of a, of a, of a mature uh, chambers that that's got you know that's got a, a good um, set, set of um, well engaged members is yeah absolutely start adding in those those those, uh, those the options for all, all those other people as well. Other than COVID, you're a family man. You're an active locum GP locum. What have the challenges been in growing this organisation? Did you think it would be at this level? Did you, did you have like grand ambitions, or has it just been like oh now we do this and now we do that? <laughs> um yeah well the challenges um i i just i just the, the challenges is just it's just can be just really hard work you know i've been doing this for yes i say for 25 years and it's just you just you just people just it just doesn't seem to be recognized i mean what we've we've got oh, seven thousand local members now we've got two and a half thousand practices we're covering hundreds of thousands of sessions booking through the system and and i don't think anyone any grown-up from politicians or whatever need to say oh thank you nasgp for doing no one ever does that really i mean yes our ics partners do and that's wonderful but you think you think you know what where, where's the sort of no because no, i'm doing this job because no one else was doing it no one else does this job um, and I can't believe, I keep thinking to myself, when am I going to do something different? I've just always done this, always done it. And actually there was a period, uh, where I just, where we're kind of actually before, before this interweb thing really took off and before, um, some sort of, sort of some, uh, all of a sudden there was a, a massive growth in, in, um, in online local booking platforms, which I have to say did take me somewhat by surprise. Oh God, where did that come from? Um, but which we've actually started to become a threat because actually they, we, we, what, what we do as an organization is we put the GP first, we put the professional first, we put the workforce first. And if you as a practice want good workforce, you want, you want really nice, well-supported workforce. And it's, and it's getting them to ideally to work in the way that they like to work rather than trying to shoehorn people into roles and, and timings that, that just doesn't work for them or their family. So they're very much sort of workforce first. But, but my wife, who's also a GP locum, Chambers locum like me as well. And the kids sort of got a bit older and they start doing their own stuff. And my wife started to get a little bit bored and um, and, and she's super, super smart. Um, whereas I'm a bit like sort of Tigger. Um, Sarah is very, very focused and can hold masses of amounts of detail in her. And start to look over my shoulder and so I say, actually, Richard, you know, you maybe if you did this and you did that. And, we, and so actually, so Sarah has been the one who's taken the whole locum deck 
platform and the practice pack and all of that and the new system we've now got for to for locums to, to give feedback to practice and practice to give feedback to locums so they all so I was now got a, a team of four people um, which she runs from her front room office and and um that's it so that actually it's rather than what have been the the obstacles it's actually been it's been wow there's been this fantastic resource called my wife sarah sarah chambers who's who's um, who's been able to build all of this and it's it is it is absolutely incredible what 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 her and her team have built um this very sophisticated uh, piece of software that is doing so much within within the nhs i'm going to ask you some quick fire questions okay what has been the biggest thing you have learned about yourself in growing the National Association of Sessional GPs? I think that I um, don't, uh, uh, I, I'm not that bothered about failing or looking stupid. Uh, because often I don't know I'm failing or I look stupid. It's only afterwards that somebody tells me, uh, you know, and so I just, it just doesn't bother me um you know and and um i just don't i don't know where that's come from i think i've just got a thick skin or i'm just a bit thick you know so it it just doesn't really bother me what do you love about being a locum gp i i love it when i am I know, there's lots of stuff I really like being about the GP. The stuff I like being a locum GP is it's just really nice. I, I used to hate it at first. I used to really make me nervous at first. But going to new practices, working in different consulting rooms. I said worked in a hundred different practices. That translates to about three or four hundred different consulting rooms because it's 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 because it, it, each one is a challenge, and often, not always, but often the practices ask you to work for them because they're struggling. They really need your help, um, and 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 you 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 come in. You actually you start to realise after about ten years that actually they think of you as a, like a bit of like a bit of a hero. You think, oh, okay, I never thought a bit like that, but you know, and and you can do a good job, and it's quite nice to. I, I like I like taking. Uh, different patients that you can see the previous GP has seen two, three, four, five times. And they've clearly been struggling, and you go in there, and um, you can sort of offer a different perspective. You can add something to the notes. You can suggest something to the patient, and you can make sure you keep you 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 um, enforce that ongoing relationship. So we are, so I don't disrupt that, but try and keep keep that relationship going, um, but help with that patient ongoing their narrative of the healthcare narrative. What three words would you use to describe your leadership style? Oh, the first, the word erratic immediately came up. Come on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, should I say that? Can you cut that bit out? No, that is staying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, uh, leadership style. <laughs> Gosh. Um, um, I like to say I'm a good listener. Um, I don't think that's leadership style, though. I do like to make people other people be the leader as it were I, I i i you know if if someone is keen or is good at something then 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 go for it and support them um and yeah uh, so it's it, it's it's enabling others to, to 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 lead 
I think GP, your, your regular GP, every GP is a leader. A leader is someone who, who looks after lots of different people and they help change those people's lives. So GP partners, salary GP, GP loans, when you're with patients, when you're in a surgery, you're in a leadership role there. You know, patients are looking up to you and, you're sort of, and that's, that's, so we all, we all do it. It's just, I'm, I'm just doing it in a slightly different way. What one thing would you want to tell our new prime minister? About, I mean, about healthcare <laughs> anything. or anything. <laughs> I want to hear this. Bring, bring back Europe. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, look off. Look off. We've got a we've got a ethical, moral responsibility to look after people. Um, not people. Not everybody has got the ability or the background or the the luck or the uh, the privilege to to be healthy or to, to be warm. Um, there are a lot of vulnerable people out there and we've got to look after this. It, it's, it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs as a, as a population, as a, as a species. Um, if you don't look after the people that, 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 you know, who look after us and who, who, who are in society and who we, 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 you know, we walk out, we, you know, our, our, our fellow, our fellow humans, if we don't look after them, how, how, how what, where, what are we? What is the point? You know, it's, it's, um, so it's, it's making sure that we do stuff that can, and, and, that, and I mean, so it's from the healthcare perspective, that's making sure we've got a really good workforce that can really help those vulnerable and deprived people. And by looking after them, it's going to help everybody. And that's what good societies do. They look after the vulnerable and deprived. So we have a wide range of people that listen to the podcast. From a patient perspective, what message would you like to give a patient who's he's he's going to see a locum and they think they're not my they're not my regular GP? I think that the so your locum is a fully qualified GP. They've been to medical school, just like your regular GP. They've been to medical school. They've travelled. They've got a family. They've got interests. Their GP. It's been a lot of work. They've been five medical school, five, six, seven years of hospital training and GP training, um, and that GP. Um, you, you, sir, live in this um, in this uh, suburb. Um, but, but this GP has been working as a locum in, in, in both in this suburb and on the coast and in the country and they've worked at lots of different hospitals, they've worked in lots of different settings, they've seen lots and lots of different patients. Your regular GP who lives here normally might see about seven, eight, nine hundred different patients a year. This full-time locum has probably seen about three or four thousand different patients this year. So they've got a very different perspective. It's different to your normal GP. It's not worse. It's not better. It's different. So let's use those different perspectives. Ask them anything you want to. Don't feel embarrassed. You might never see him again. Um, <laughs> break a leg. No, don't break a leg. But, you know, go for it. Go for it. Ask them anything you want. Um, and this GP, hopefully, you know, because they, 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 they move around, they, they, we've all got different perspectives and, and, um, yeah. If people want to find out more about, I can never, I don't know why I can't say the, the acronym. It's actually easier for me to say the National Association of Sessional GPs. They want to find out more about you guys. Where should they go? Yeah. www.nasgp.org.uk. Um, good, yeah. And that's it. And we've got loads on there. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. 
No, Tara, it's been really, really, real, real privilege talking to you. Thank you very much. so much for joining us if you like what you hear i would absolutely love it if you left us an itunes rating and five star review i know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on twitter at thc primary care on instagram and on linkedin just look for tara humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and i will see you in the next episode.